Hello and welcome to the Onside Kick Family Hour. I'm your host, Ryan Van Bibber. With me, as always, Stephen White. How are you doing today, Stephen White? Soft tissues, all, all, all good? I'm all hydrated. I'm stretched <laughs> out. I'm doing fine. How about you? My hamstrings have never felt better. <laughs> Unlike Alshon Jeffrey. Yeah, he, you know, he's got those tight hammies. That's right. Tight hammies. <laughs> I, 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 and it almost feels like you haven't seen as much of that stuff this year, but maybe I just like it's, it could be me too. And I just have sort of like after years of doing this, have maybe learned to tune out a lot of those minor little camp dings that happen early on in the process. There's a few here or there, uh, kind of like the usual suspects, though. It's like it's not very many guys who you know got a little tweak here or there that you are surprised about. I put it that way. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. I, that might be it too. It's like, oh well, Adrian Peterson's got a little hamstring strain. Oh well, <laughs> imagine that. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but doesn't and knock on wood doesn't seem like the big you know really bad injuries have cropped up yet thank goodness so you know hopefully we can kind of get through this preseason relatively unscathed yeah i guess the biggest one so far is william jackson the first round pick for the Bengals, the cornerback Torres right Torres pick which is weird um the uh the the guy for the uh, where is he at now he, the, the he was a cornerback, a nickel cornerback that Leon was with the Steelers for no, William he was with the Steelers for a year, a few years, and then he was he was with the Panthers like for like a month this year. The one oh. they said he has a bad hip. Boykin, he, he Boykin ends up with a torn pec. How do you, how are these DBs ended up with torn pec? <laughs> I have no idea. Like, seriously, like I, I mean, they didn't really give a description when I saw it of what happened. For him to tear his pick, the only torn picks I really know of usually come to weight room, like yeah. you know, bench pressing or something, and you just have a problem there. But um, it's weird. There's two different DBs going on IR for uh, torn picks, um, but obviously uh, that that's a huge blow personally for William Jackson. Yeah. Uh, for the Bengals, but the Bengals, I don't think we're planning on throwing them out there that fast anyway. No, they, they have it, some depth at the position. I was going to say it's remarkable how much depth this team has now. Yeah. Really on both sides of the ball, but definitely on defense. Like, um, their defensive backs tend to, even the high draft picks tend to sit on the bench for like a year or only like work in maybe some nickel here and some nickel there, but don't, they don't really. Uh, uh, need for those guys to start w- right away, thankfully. So uh, for the team, I'm sure depth-wise, uh, maybe they take a little bit of a hit there. And, and also just the fact that he won't be able to be out there learning and practicing yeah. every day. Um, but at the same time, it shouldn't affect them too terribly uh, as the season goes on. But you know, it's just a weird thing to, to have a DB go down with a torn pick. Yeah, it, it really is. Who was it? Somebody somebody had a torn pec this off season, but it was it was an off season weightlifting thing. I can't think of who that was. I think it was a defensive uh, the, lineman somewhere. Yeah, for the Browns. Um, oh yeah, Des uh, Des Bryant. Right. Des Howard. Did I get that right? right. 
I think Desmond Bryant. Look, you know, yeah. I'm terrible. Uh, <laughs> Desmond Howard is Heisman winner. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> they still have the same name. I don't know. You know. Yeah, it's I, Desmond I Bryant. Des Bryant. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Everybody yeah. say Des Bryant. Last year. Yeah. Which I I, I kind of had forgotten until he got hurt. Um, but yeah, he tore his pack too. But once again, it's you know big guy and it's in the bench room. pressing situation, or whatever. I don't know if he was benching, but you know I just always think you tear your pack, it must be on the bench press. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. You know, it's weird. Yeah, it really is. It really is. It's. But I don't know. I guess that's a uh, good that we don't have more injuries to talk about because it seems like this time last year we already had like ACL, a couple guys with ACLs. Jordy Nelson, I think, was out by this time last year already. It was just, it was like a, it was a hospital report every week. It seemed like. Right, and once again, it's not going to work because we don't want to jinx anybody. Yeah, we exactly. To, we don't want to have those reports, but yeah, you know the. Uh, it definitely seems like last year it was like a flood of them right off the bat and then you're like oh my goodness what is X team gonna do or yeah. what have you and man you know it's just so demoralizing because guys worked so hard in the off season to come in in top condition ready to work and then you have something freak Freak action. Most of those ACLs are usually non-contact injuries, um, and so Kelvin Benjamin last year too. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you hate to see that. And so I'm glad that we haven't had that. And we, I guess we we're more than a week in the training camp for some teams now. Um, obviously, we have our first action. We're going to see our first action this weekend. Yeah, actual games. Um, but yeah, you know, it seems like. Well, we had the the Kellen Moore situation. Some kind of way broke his ankle, uh, backup quarterback for the Cowboys. But just haven't really had many of those major injuries, thankfully, this year. Yeah, we really haven't. Um, Like you say, knock on wood, because it always kind of sucks to have to deal with that on the uh, at this point in the year, especially. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, you wanted to to. You never want to get hurt, but if you, if you get hurt as, as a player, you want it to mean something. You know, getting hurt at practice or getting hurt in a preseason game just it just fucking sucks because mm-hmm. it, like, it, it, it doesn't really mean anything. And so um, now, once again, there's not much difference between getting hurt in the preseason and getting hurt in the first quarter of the first game, um, but it just feels different for you. Yeah, uh, as a player. So, uh, you know, hopefully most of these guys can get through unscathed. We know that, you know, football is a physical sport, and so injuries are a part of that. But just you, you like to see, you know, f- for once that we can just get through a preseason without any really major injuries, um, especially as some of the top guys who you're really looking forward to seeing. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, you know, you mentioned the Kellen Moore, the Cowboys backup that, broke his ankle this week in practice. And that's probably, I mean, you know, you don't tend to think of backup quarterbacks as that big of a deal, but given Tony Romo's age and his injury history and how fucked the Cowboys are if Tony Romo goes down, that's kind of a, I mean, you know, for a backup quarterback injury, that's kind of a big deal. Oh, it's a huge deal, especially after last year 
when I think they start off with Brandon Whedon yeah. as the backup quarterback, and Jerry Jones is talking about how he threw the best ball <laughs> he's ever seen and all of that shit, you know. Uh, but obviously, they throughout the them trying to replace Tony Romo throughout the season, and they ended up with Kellen Moore like the last couple games, I think starting yeah showed them just how important it was to have a viable number two uh and so it appears that they're going to try to shore up their position uh they weren't able to get nick Foles, who ended up signing with the chiefs reuniting for whatever with Andy reason I, I thought that was a little bit of a weird signing because they got like 50 quarterbacks mm-hmm. <laughs> with the chiefs uh seems like i know tyler bray evidently has been playing uh, doing pretty well and they got like aaron murray but uh, you know, uh, whatever assurances were made, I'm sure that Nick Foles is probably going to be on that roster unless he yeah. falls on his face. So, uh, but as far as the Cowboys, uh, now they have to kind of see what you know Dak Prescott can do. They they just drafted him uh, this year, I guess, in like the fourth round. Maybe? Yeah, fourth round. Like fourth round, and um, they also have a guy named Jamil Showers. But I, I suspect that. Um, they're probably going to look for uh, somebody to pick up, maybe trade for somebody. I saw some rumors about maybe Josh McCown. Yeah. Uh, Browns being on their radar. And, and obviously we, we talked about before that it looks like uh, that Browns job is RG3's to lose. Yeah. Uh, even though they haven't named him starter yet, they're going to name a starter before the first preseason game. And all the indications are, it's going to be RG3, so it would make sense uh, that uh, that uh, McCown would be expendable to a certain extent. But then I wonder if maybe the Browns uh, see the value in keeping McCown around just in case. Because uh, I think the, the other option would be Cody Kessler as a rookie, and if, if RG3 doesn't cut it or if he gets hurt, uh, I don't know that you want to throw the Kessler right into the fire like that. So... You know, I'm wondering if maybe they might want to hold on to McCown, and 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 it would maybe take more than the Cowboys are willing to offer in order to get him. Yeah. Um, so it, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how they handle it because I feel like with the Cowboys as much as any other team after last season, they're going to do their best to make sure that they have a viable number two quarterback i, I just uh, can't see, foresee to. them you know going through another season like they did last year basically having trials every week at quarterback yeah no and and honestly i mean not to i mean obviously i don't not wishing they're happy a guy's injured or anything but i mean if they get the right guy this could end up being an upgrade for the cowboys a backup quarterback too oh yeah and, and uh you know <laughs> There, there's a there's this thing on Twitter uh, where Kellen Moore has a lot of fans. Uh-huh. He has a lot of people who absolutely <laughs> hate him, and, and I think some of it has to do with uh, <clears throat> the pre-draft uh, uh, analysis of his game. A lot of people just didn't like him, think didn't think he would ever make it in the NFL, and so the fact that he, he's still kind of hanging around seems to be a a thorn in their side, and uh-huh. they, they absolutely hate this guy. Uh, and he does. He has physical limitations. He doesn't really throw the ball you know, real hard or very far down the field. But 
even in limited time last year with, with the Cowboys, he appeared to be at least competent. Yeah. And, and that's what they didn't have for most of the time when they were looking for a replacement for Romo last year was competent play at the quarterback position. They just had guys who were terrible. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I, you know, it's not like it, it, most people, myself included, I'm sure thought that they would try to upgrade their backup quarterback position going into the offseason. And instead, they kind of held Pat with, with Kellen Moore, which, which was relatively surprising. Uh, just because even though he didn't look as terrible as some of the other guys, it, you still would have thought that there, there would have been somebody else out there that you could upgrade uh, over Kellen Moore. But at the same time, uh, now you got to ask yourself, is that actually the case? Like, is there anybody still out there yeah. that would be an upgrade? I know um, I saw one of the, the Cowboys, uh, uh, their website writers, was kind of, he kind of threw out there Michael Vick. Yeah. And um, I, I actually kind of didn't think that was the worst uh, uh, suggestion in the world. Because like he said, it, it comes down to this. If Tony Romo misses a bunch of games, okay, you ain't going to find anybody that's just hanging out right now that's going to come in and, and win enough games for them to win a division this year. Yeah. Right? What you need is somebody who can come in for one or two games if he's hurt and and, and just not, again, not be terrible. Yeah. Just play well enough to give them a chance. Yeah. But you're not looking for, you know, <laughs> the MVP of the league to be a number <laughs> two quarterback, especially not this year, uh, because it's basically Romo or bust. We, even though Romo has had all these injuries, they need for him to be healthy for – 15 or 16 games to give them a chance. Yeah. So if you if you can pick up a guy like Vic, who, one, has been a backup, and so you know he's not going to make any waves. Yeah. He knows how to kind of play that role. Still has a little bit of juice about him, but not, you know, he, he's not going to set the world on fire, but he knows how to, you know, just not set the world on fire on offense either. Like, you know, just totally uh, 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 throw you out of a football game. So I, I, I think that that's not the worst uh, suggestion in the world, especially when you think, like I say, unless you're talking about trading for somebody on another team and who knows how much that's actually going to cost you, there's not a whole bunch of guys that's on the street right now who you can look and say, hey, man, that, that guy's at least as good as Keller Moore even. Yeah. Well, and you know, this is I mean, Nick Foles. I guess Nick Foles reported, according to Schefter, did have an offer from the Cowboys. So this is the second, third time they've kind of been burned trying to look for a better backup option. Because remember, they had initially tried to trade up to get Paxton Lynch in the first round of the draft and wouldn't match the offer that the Broncos made to move up to get him. And then Connor Cook, too, the same thing with Connor Cook, and the Raiders eventually got him. What in the second round, I think. Right. So they've known this is an issue, but they're still sort of left f- trying to figure it out. Yeah, and, and look, <clears throat> we still don't know what Dak Prescott can do. Okay, he, he he's not a guy that I, don't, I think a lot of people were just, you know, tremendously high on necessarily coming out. Yeah. But he did some good things in college at Mississippi State. 
definitely kind of turned them into a team that you had to at least respect. Uh, you know, Mississippi State for years and years and years. They were a tough team, but they weren't a team that you thought would actually beat you. Yeah. But he actually won some games for them and, and, and played pretty well at times. Yeah. So who knows? You know, maybe he comes on strong uh, enough for them to feel comfortable with him since obviously that was, that seemed to be at least their uh, strategy was to draft the number two quarterback. Uh, they didn't end up getting the guys they wanted initially, no. but they did end up drafting Dak Prescott, and it's not like he was a seventh-round pick or something. Right. It's irrelevant. So who knows? Um, I haven't really seen a whole bunch of reports out of camp yet about how he's playing, so that remains to be seen. But um, you just never know. Sometimes guys, when given the opportunity, step up and, and play better than you thought they would. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, there were some backups out there on the market who you just would have felt like they'd have gone the, the, the veteran quarterback route this offseason, but but they didn't I guess they didn't feel comfortable doing that. No. And we'll see what happens. But uh, you know, like you say, if Tony Romo goes down, it's gonna be hard for them anyway if he's down for any significant period of time. But we'll see. Yeah, and that's that's what it boils down to is like, you know, it, 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 the only other thing they could have done is tried to take a first round quarterback. Yeah. And just basically signal that the, the Romo era is pretty much coming to an end, but it doesn't appear that they're, they're ready or prepared to say that. So yeah, no. it's pretty much more a bust and, and all this, all this is going to be moot in the end. You know, either he plays a lot, like I said, and, and gives them a chance to win a division or he doesn't. And it doesn't really matter who the number two is they're going to suck again. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Anything else? What else? It's hard to sort. Sometimes camp reports, they're so optimistic. It's hard to sort the wheat from the chafe there. But uh, as anything else has stood out to you from camp so far? Um. Well, it's so many things happening for so many teams. And, and it's hard to, to know what's, what's, uh, a big deal and what's not. So uh, I did see where Miles Jack is has been elevated to taking first team reps yeah. in Jacksonville. Like I said, I think that man, that defense could be pretty special this year. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to that too. And I guess too, one thing. I mean, again, it's camp report, so you got to take it with a grain of salt. But uh, by all accounts, RG three is looking pretty good in Cleveland too. He's got yeah, some Baylor look, receivers I, to work with, so. Well, again, remember, <laughs> I know that I could end up looking really foolish, but I've said all offseason that I thought that pairing him with Hugh Jackson would be a great deal because whatever limitations you feel yeah. like RG3 has, this is a, a coach in Hugh Jackson who's not going to make him try to do something that he's not good at. Yeah. Right. He, he, this isn't one of those coaches is going to try to fit, fit a, 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 a square peg into a round hole. He's going to adjust and, and, and basically tailor his offense to accentuate 
whichever quarterback he chooses, accentuate their strengths and minimize their weaknesses. Yeah. So, and 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 I think to a certain extent, um, people didn't even notice some of the stuff he did uh, when he was in Cincinnati. No. Uh, because uh, I forget that quarterback's name. Dalton. Um, Andy Dalton. When you think about Andy Dalton. I don't think a lot of people, unless they're Bengals fan or, or, or just followed their division, realize how much Andy Dalton ran. Like mm-hmm. they had him running uh, some 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 zone read stuff a lot. Yeah, where where you know he he's taking the ball and running up the field and getting five or ten yards a pop and using his athleticism. And so uh, Hugh Jackson really did a good job of not just helping. Dalton to mature and get better as a, a traditional quarterback, but also looking and saying, you know what? We have a guy who's pretty athletic. Yeah. And let's take advantage of that. And, and even if we don't run him a lot, we do it just enough to keep a defense honest where maybe that slows down the pass rush a little bit. Yeah. You know, may, maybe that makes guys think twice. And then they could do some of that pop pass stuff, for instance, that to me is just, it, it, it's, it's, it's one of the harder things to 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 defense when you actually have an offense that uses utilizes the zone read and has an athletic quarterback you almost have to respect that that quarterback run and when you do that tight end is going to be open quite a bit or, or slot receiver or whoever it is yeah. running that little pop pass so um i just loved a lot of things he did with andy dalton to to accentuate his strengths and kind of you know maybe uh, uh, put him in position where he wasn't going to make many of the mistakes that he used to make. And I could just see him doing the same thing with, with RG three RG three. Now is several years removed from that knee injury. He should be hundred percent healthy. He didn't have any wear, wear and tear on his body last year. Basically he's just rehabbing and, and, and lifting weights and running and stuff all yeah. the whole season. So he should be in great shape physically we all know that he can throw the football, whether you think he can read a defense or not. I'm not going to sit up here and argue with people about that, but we know <laughs> that he can throw a pretty football, right? He can, he can chunk it down the field. Yeah. And so if you put him in position where he can accentuate all of that talent, right, that, that doesn't guarantee him success. That doesn't guarantee that the Browns will be good on offense this year, but it does give you a chance. Yeah, and like absolutely. I said last week, they have some talent on that offense, man. People, I think people are overlooking the, the, the fact that they really do have some talent on, all over that offense. Yeah. And even their offensive line shouldn't be as bad as most people think. So um, am I saying that, you know, <laughs> RG3 <laughs> is going to be, you know, rookie RG3? I'm not saying that. And, and what as much as anything, I'm saying that, He's not going to have to be. Yeah, I think that that, that Hugh Jackson is smart enough where you'll see those flashes from t- 2012, but at the same time, Hugh is going to manage him in such a way that doesn't put him in nearly as much uh, 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 danger as far as getting hurt. He's going to really emphasize the run game like he did in Cincinnati too, and he's going to give him what works for RG3. Yeah. So uh, I'm excited, man. I, it, and to be honest with you, if it's Josh McCown or some other quarterback playing, I think you you can expect the same thing from Hugh. He's yeah. going to make 
this offense work for whichever quarterback he has. And I think that that's basically the best thing about him as both an offense coordinator and as a head coach. Yeah, exactly. So I'm just excited, period, to see what he does um, with, with, with RG3 and this collection of talent around him. But again, I know that <laughs> not a lot of people are going to buy into that, right? I don't <laughs> no. even care if RG3 lights it up in the preseason. Everybody's kind of just stuck <laughs> on the last, the last thing they saw of RG3, and that makes sense. Yeah. But I, I just, I, I sometimes I could just, you, you put certain things together. It's kind of like peanut butter and jelly, right? You just know sometimes <laughs> this could be a very good mix. Yeah, so, exactly. You know, we, we'll see how it goes, though. Yeah, we will. But, you know, I, 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 like RG3 is cheesy, but, man, he's a fun player to watch. And that's, I mean, and that's the bottom line. You just, you just, you watch this because it's fun to watch. And the more people like that on the field you have playing that way, it's just the better it is on Sunday. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Guys that can just kind of make things happen uh, out of the blue sometimes. Yeah. And, and that's really what you like about uh, Aaron Rodgers, right? It's not just that Aaron Rodgers throws from the pocket. It might not even be that he throws from the pocket at all. You want to see Aaron Rodgers on the move after the rush, almost got him and he's, he's some kind of way he slipped away. Yeah. And then he chucks down the field to a guy who's barely open with the perfect pass. Yeah. Right? So uh, those kind of guys, man, that, that, that's what makes you tune in to football, to be quite honest with you. And, yeah. and RG3 had the potential to be that kind of guy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like you say, the Hugh Jackson thing just is only going to help, should only help that. And when we get to see the Browns on the field this year, I think we'll, uh, I think people will be pleasantly surprised by it. Listen, I want to see him and Duke Johnson out there mm. at the same time. Like, because Duke Johnson can make RG3's job so much easier. Because oh, yeah. that guy is just so special out of the backfield. Not only can he run, but just being able to throw the short pass and that guy can take it to the house at any time. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like I say, you look at the talent around uh, and don't even think about Josh Gordon right now because we don't know about him. Yeah. But uh, very high on Corey Coleman and the things he can do. Uh, very high on Duke Johnson, Isaiah Crowell is a very good runner between the tackles. Mm-hmm. And then you got Garrett Barnage, who, yeah. you know, he's still coming into his own as a tight end. Uh, uh, you know, uh, it, it's just, there's a lot of potential there, man. I, I just think it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a, it, it'll be fun. And it'll be the first time you can say that about the Browns in a while. In a long time. <laughs> I mean, it's like last year, um, there were times when they were fun. Don't, don't get me wrong, but I just think this whole season could be fun. Yeah. Or at well, least for a whole game. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's why, I mean, you know, that's why you always wanted to kind of see, I did anyway, I always wanted to see Johnny Manziel work out because he was a fun player to watch in college. Yeah, and I know, like, whatever, the with his off-field bullshit that eventually obviously caught up to him and will probably short, has, if it hasn't already, I mean, I guess technically... You can't quite write him off, but maybe all but can. But obviously all that stuff is sort of short-circuited his career. But, you know, that was always the hope I had for him in Cleveland. It's like, hey, I mean, this guy may not ever be the best quarterback in the NFL, but he's the kind of player that could make you make a team fun to watch. Oh, absolutely. And, 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 and like last year, for instance, um, 
Now, Johnny Manziel actually did some good things on the field at times when he knew what he was doing, when he was comfortable with the offense or yeah. with that particular play. He actually looked pretty good. But um, to your point, um, you think back to uh, – I can't remember what game it was, but like when he was scrambling around and he just threw the ball up to Travis Benjamin a couple of times. Yeah. That – if he if that could have worked out and they could have kept Travis Benjamin, that could have been a great combination for that team. Yeah. Because Travis Benjamin, I've said it before, is one of the fastest dudes in the NFL, man. And people don't talk about him nearly enough. But last year, the reason why he really broke out as much as anything is he finally had some quarterbacks that could get the ball to him down the field. And in particular, uh, Josh McCown is, is very athletic, more athletic than people seem to get him, give him credit for it, but Johnny Manziel is a guy who can just really extend plays. Yeah. And once you extend the play, and you, you, you have a combination of a guy who can extend the play and a guy who's extremely fast. Yeah. That, that just has a ton of potential for a lot of fun. So I'm, I'm 100% with you on that. I, 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 I wish for Johnny Manziel's sake, as much as the Browns' sake, that he would have gotten his shit together. Um, because it could have been a fantastic combination. But now, you know, RG3 and Corey Coleman could be the same thing. Yeah, very much so. And, you know, I had forgotten. That's funny you mentioned Travis Benjamin. I Because I had forgotten he signed with the Chargers in the offseason. For all that talk this year or earlier about – because Stevie Johnson obviously is another injury we've had early on in camp. You know, the Chargers lose one of their – oh, I guess what – probably would have been their starter on the outside but that's a uh, they have benjamin and that's a uh, with rivers and benjamin and then you got keenan allen in the mix too that's a you know that's a good I, I i can't believe i forgot about that because that's a good little addition i think we'll be talking more about travis benjamin as the season goes on oh absolutely uh there's definitely an under the radar type signing yeah. haven't really heard many people talk about it but uh, this is the first year I think he will have a legitimate quarterback like that playing yeah. for him. And so, you know, and, and Phillip Rivers plays. He, you know, he, he don't really get hurt or, or sit out. So uh, the combination of, 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 of Phillip Rivers chunking it down the field to Travis Mid- Benjamin this year yeah. should be a lot of fun for Chargers fans. So um, I really think that, Travis Benjamin, he had a slow start to his career, mostly because of who who his quarterback quarterbacks were. Yeah. Um, but now, especially after last year when he really came out, man, I, I just see. Yeah, he had uh, a big year last year. Yeah, he did, uh, and 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 would have had a bigger year with more stability at quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be honest with you, because he could he look. You cannot. There ain't a DB fast enough to check him one on one. He he's got. He might be faster than Ted Ginn Jr., just to be honest with you, and has better hands. <laughs> yeah. So uh, now I would say Ted Ginn Jr. is a little bit, a little bit more curious going across the middle and stuff. You know, <laughs> those little short routes where you get blown up—that's not really Travis Benjamin's thing right there. <laughs> like he ain't really about to, yeah. he ain't really about to go across that middle too tough. But those deep balls and, and posts and stuff like that, those deeper routes, man, he's going to make so much money. If he can stay healthy this year in San Diego, uh, he really will have an opportunity to make yeah. a, a name for himself, especially with uh, now Stevie Johnson looking like he's going to be out for a significant amount of time. Yeah. Uh, you put him opposite 
uh, Keenan Allen, and it's going to be pick your poison. And plus, they just picked up James Jones, so you got that veteran presence there yeah. too. Uh, 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 kind of a, a steady hand for those shorter routes that Travis Benjamin just ain't going to run. Yeah, but um, but yeah, man, I, I I can see Travis Benjamin really being a huge addition to them out there, even though you know his signing kind of floated under the radar the whole all season. Yeah, for sure. Well, and Chargers fans are a fan base that needs some happiness in their life. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and, and that's understandable, you know, uh, whether it's the stadium situation, the threat of relocation, yeah. uh, the the, <laughs> the running back situation with Melvin Gordon last year. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they, they need some sunshine in their life. And I, I, think, I think Travis Benjamin should be able to provide some of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I guess what we've got a we've got our first preseason game on Sunday night, and then you know it's really it's just barely over a month until the regular season kicks off. So we don't we don't have just a ton of time to go here. So one thing I thought we'd start doing this week on the podcast, Stephen, is running through the divisions, kind of a oh, sort of the unofficial family hour preview for all the divisions um, this year. So just to go alphabetical order, because I think that's the easiest, least controversial way um, to, to go through this. Cause if you don't go through alpha, I, th- I find if you don't do things alphabetically, somebody on the internet is going to get pissed off about it. So. Oh, they have find a way to be mad in a way. Anyway, so. <laughs> exactly. So um, alphabetically let's start in the AFC East. Um, I guess, okay, the thing that stood out to me so far about the AFC East teams in camp, obviously you've got the Brady situation in New England, but it sounds like, and now this is something everybody's talking about a little bit more now anyway, because Mina Kimes from ESPN, the magazine, had that killer article out yesterday with the Bennett brothers. But it sounds like Martellus Bennett and Rob Gronkowski, that's going to make for one hell of an offense in New England this year. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a little bit scary for most defense coordinators trying to figure out um, how you're going to defense that because, look, both of these guys are huge. Yeah. I think uh, Marty B is like, what, 6'7 or somewhere close to that, and so is Gronk. Yeah. And they they are both good enough to line out wide like wide receivers. So you can literally go to a two tight end set and have those guys line up as your wide receivers if you wanted to, and you would have mismatches out there. Yeah. Or you can line up in two tight ends and come run downhill, and they both are good blockers too. And, yeah. and, and it's so rare to find one guy who can do that, but uh, the Patriots some kind of way <laughs> finagled a, a trade for for for. Uh, Marty B, where now they have two guys who you can do that with. And so, for one, you know, Rob Gronkowski doesn't have to do all of the work. Like, he can get a blow sometimes, and then you put a guy in who's roughly his same size, and he can do almost everything he can do. But also, you can put them in at the same time and really just give defensive coordinators headaches. Because what are you going to do? Are you going to play nickel (laughs) against two tight ends? Or are you going to play base? And they have to have your linebacker try to walk out there and guard Gronk on one side and Bennett on the other. Yeah. 
So, um, I, I mean, it doesn't it almost doesn't even matter about everybody else, even though, again, we know that the Patriots keep some weapons. Uh, uh, they had Deion Lewis come out of nowhere last year and ball out until his foot got hurt. And then, uh, what was it, James White came in and yeah. looked almost just like Deion Lewis. And, and, and so some kind of way they keep, a lot of talent, whether it's in the backfield, whether it's out wide, they they um they have Chris Hogan now over from the Bills, yeah. who I think has the potential to have a big year as well. And they still have Amendola and Edelman. Look, it may not matter who's quarterback in those first four games. Because no. I think I can stand behind center and deliver the football to Gronkowski <laughs> or Marty B. I mean, really, you just throw it up and let them get it. So, but, but, but it, it their impact might not even have anything to do with their production, even though I think the other day they said something like they had like a red zone period and <laughs> and it, it, it at least appeared that the Patriots scored on every play. Yeah. And, and it, you know, it's like one time it's the grunt, one time it's the Mark Elliott finish, <laughs> one time it's the grunt. So um, even though they definitely have the potential to have just off the charts production, but just imagine all the things you can do, just to psych a defense out. Were well, they yeah. so worried about them that now you're running right up the middle? You're just gashing them right up the middle because you're trying to figure out a way to 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 defense uh, Grunt and Marty B at the same time. Yeah. So, it, it, like I say, it may not matter who's at quarterback the first four games. Everybody's saying, well, now the division's up for grabs. Eh, I don't know. You might you might want to wait and see just how good this this, this combination can be, um, because you know it's kind of the thing that they were trying to do it last year. Um, who was the tight end they signed last year? Uh, uh, the uh, uh, was it the guy that used to be with Tampa? No, Scott Chandler. They, they, yeah, they, Chandler. They signed Scott Chandler, and he was supposed to kind of be that that second major weapon as yeah. that tight end. It didn't necessarily work out as well, but I, you know, I don't think that Scott Chandler is in the same universe as Marty B. No, quite not honestly. at all. So, uh, and then of course, uh, we should be getting a lot more great quotes <laughs> out of Martellus <laughs> Billy too. That's a guy who just loves to talk. He and his brother. So um, that in and of itself would be the, worth the price of admission just to see <laughs> how Bill Belichick reacts. <laughs> <laughs> with you know when he, when somebody asks him, well, hey, Marty B said this today, and just see his facial expression will be worth the price of admission. Well, they the okay, so the Patriots and the Seahawks play uh, looks like November. I can't week ten, so we should be in for a treat that week leading up to it because you got both Bennett brothers that can kind of go out in front of the mics and jaw a little bit before that game. So that's definitely one to circle on the calendar. Yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not even sure how many times <clears throat> they played each other, but I know um, Martellus made reference in that article about like when they would get the, the scouting report uh, when he would be playing against his brother and they uh-huh. would have all this good stuff and he'd be trying not to smile. <laughs> and I thought that was, that was kind of cool. Like, so. Like seriously, you sit up here and you get a scout report on your brother, and everybody's like, "We well, can't block him. I don't know. We don't know what to do." This got to kind of make you feel good. So. <laughs> I'm sure vice versa too, because because again, 
you know, uh, Marty B had a, a kind of a, a slow start to his career because he was stuck behind um, Witten in Dallas. Witten in Dallas. Once he went to New York, and, and since then, man, he's been a legitimate threat in the passing game every yep. year. And yeah. still, like I said, still a quality blocker as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's just hard to – I mean, like, I, you look on paper, and I think the Dolphins got a lot better in this offseason, on paper. The Bills, obviously, I think are, you know, have the potential to be better too, but – and I'm not quite sure about the Jets, but, you know, they won 10 games last year, so they're not a team you can just write off either way. But it's still hard, and I'm not a Patriots homer or anything like that, but it's hard to pick against some against the Patriots winning that division until otherwise proven, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, I, this is a team that just has had unprecedented, uh, consistent winning. Uh, anybody can win a division here or there. Yeah. Or, you know, you, you're good one year or good two years and then you fall off. But they've been consistently good for so long that it's just hard to imagine that they're just going to fall off a cliff, no matter what. Um, that goes back to the year that Brady got hurt. And, 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 yeah. And Castle took over. Castle ends up coming in and, and winning, winning games for him. Uh, so uh, they fought through a lot more adversity than just a four-game suspension from yeah. Tom Brady. Yeah, and still been <clears throat> at least, <clears throat> excuse me, at least okay. Yeah. So uh, it, they're not just going to give the the division away to anybody. Um, I, I do think some of these other teams are improved. Uh, I think the Jets just, you know, being the second year in. Uh, the system and, and second year under Todd Bowles will help them a lot. Uh, but, and, and same with the Bills. The one thing about the Bills um, that I would say is this. Uh, last year, <clears throat> probably to their detriment, uh, Rex Ryan was just bound and determined to run his kind of 3-4. Yeah. Even with the talent that he had, that leaned more towards a four-three. Yeah, and of course, you know he's got a bunch of reasons why he said he did it. Uh, he said Kyle Williams' injury kind of forced his hand, but I just feel like he—that's who he is as a coach. Yeah. Now I, I didn't like that he did it last year, but what you can see from the moves this offseason is now they have built this team to be more of his kind of three-four defense. Yeah. All the way down to uh, uh, drafting Reggie Ragland to be one of his uh, inside linebackers. Yeah. And so I think you're going to see more of a true 3-4 this year from that defense. And I think he's going to be a lot more comfortable with a lot of his calls as well because the holdovers are going to already be uh, acquainted with what he's trying to do. The new guys, they'll be able to integrate a lot faster and show them what he wants. Yeah. But now I think this this will be more of his defense. Yeah. Because he's going to have the the personnel to run it a lot better. And again, he'll have guys that's been in the system uh, for for at least a year. Yeah. So uh, with the Bills, I, I think that on offense, um, it's about guys staying healthy. They got Lashawn McCoy who's got to stay healthy. They got Sammy Watkins, 
who's got to stay healthy and then they'll have a chance, but you just don't know yeah. about some of those guys. Um, but I think their defense, you're probably going to see their defense take a step forward this year. If for no other reason, than I think now they got the pieces in place to play it the way that the Rex Ryan actually wants to play his run his three, four. Yeah. And that'll make a difference because, you know, their defense was not all that impressive for what you're used to seeing from a Rex Ryan team last year. And so that's where you have, I mean, to me, they have the most room for improvement where they can kind of take the biggest leap this year is on the defensive side. Well, now, like you say, all things, you know, assuming everybody on the offense stays healthy and they kind of, you don't see any sort of monumental shift downward on that side of the ball. But, you know, they could improve quite a bit with that defense. Yeah, and if they do, then you got a chance in pretty much any game. Yeah. I, I Look, I, I like uh, Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, um, me too. I, he wasn't perfect last year, but that dude throws a pretty deep ball. I mean, just right on the money and just very catchable. Yeah. So if Sam and if Sammy Watkins can stay healthy, man, that dude is a monster. So yeah. I think that as the season went on, they continued to build trust and, 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 and kind of build uh, a bond together on the field, and, and they got better as a duo. Uh, you know, I remember Sammy Watkins early in the year was complaining about not getting the ball enough, and you know, kind of uh, help me help you yeah. type speech. <laughs> um, but as the season went on, you saw that 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 Tyrod Taylor did come to to understand that hey, this is this guy's amazing. Let me just go go ahead and give him a chance. Yeah, and throw throw throw, throw the ball up and give him a chance, and he he's going to make a lot of plays for me. So um, again, it's going to be the second year in the system for those guys too. Uh, I think their offense will be fine, just as long as they're healthy. Yeah. Always the key. Always the key. That, that is absolutely the key. And, and you know, they got Reggie Bush now, who's also had some injury issues. Um, so, we'll, we'll, you know, it's kind of we'll see. Yeah. We'll see how that goes. But I think that if their defense can play more than style that Rex Ryan actually wants to play, that's going to be the biggest factor. I, I still think that um, until proven otherwise, the Patriots are probably going to be the, the cream of the crop in that, in that division. Yeah. But I do think the Bills will have a legitimate chance to unseat them if their defense can finally play up. Well, not finally, but in their second year, their defense can play more like Rick Ryan expects and wants them to play. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so here's the team. I, 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 feel, I know we talked about them a little bit the other week when they signed a, Arian Foster, but, man, I – I, the team I can never figure out is the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> Join the club. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get you know we talked about Ryan t- when the with the Foster thing, and I remember going back last week or the week before. I can't remember exactly when, but you know we talked about obviously a lot of this is on whether or not Adam Gase can get Ryan Tannehill to kind of play more consistently from week to week. And, you know, which sort of goes without saying. But, you know, another thing that really the coaching thing was a big factor for the Dolphins last year because Joe Philbin was not a very good coach, got fired after, what, four weeks, I think. And then you had Dan Campbell come in and everyone was excited because he was making him do Oklahoma drills and somehow those Oklahoma drills are going to turn him around. And and then he ended up going five and seven down the stretch. So, 
I, there's talent there in Miami on both sides of the ball. Oh, you, you, there's no way you can argue against that. Uh, I think that maybe uh, their corner position maybe isn't as strong as you would like for it to be because um, they got different guys in there this year. Um, uh, they let crimes um, <laughs> go. Grimes, yeah, to uh, <laughs> Tampa, obviously, he and his wife. Um, <laughs> his uh, press agent. Right. Um, when they and, brought in Byron so, Maxwell. And they brought in Byron Maxwell. Who was so bad in we, Philly. And, and maybe, and, and it's hard to know how much of that was his fault, right? Right, exactly. Again, how much of that was them asking him to do something that he, he's not really good at? So uh, it, it remains to be seen um, uh, it, it, how that's going to work out in Miami, how it's going to shake out <clears throat> uh, for him in particular, if he's going to be able to bounce back from his year in Philly or what have you. But, yeah. but uh, up front, you know, they got Cameron Wake, who's, who's coming off, uh, I think, a torn Achilles. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Cameron Wake is a beast when he's healthy, but we're not 100% sure which kind of Cameron Wake we're going to see this year. Yeah. But you got Sue, and, and, and of course, they got Mario Williams. I yeah. still am wondering who's actually going to play right defensive end since Mario Williams has been playing on the left side for so long lately. But, you know, they, they, uh, they may get back Deion Jordan uh, since he's, he's – yeah. I guess not suspended anymore, provisionally not suspended anymore. But, <laughs> but he's had hurt knee now. Surgery. Right, but he had knee surgery and didn't tell anybody. Uh, they got Andre Branch, who's, who was a, a kind of a dis- disappointing player in Jacksonville. Yeah. But, but can do some good things against the run, I think. Yeah. Um, but, and they got Jordan Phillips, their, their, their uh, draft pick from last year, who I thought played pretty well uh, last season. Mm-hmm. So they're pretty good up front. They're pretty good at linebacker. Um, they got Kiko Alonso uh, from Philly, also. Yeah, maybe still trying to recapture that that rookie year of his in Buffalo. Um, uh, now there's a guy actually who his his signing was a little under the radar too. Um, I can't pronounce his name. His name is uh, Issa Abdul yes. Kudus. I think is how you say it. Yeah, from, from Detroit, from, and, and he's actually, you know may or may not be one of my breakout players this season. <laughs> but the more I watched him play on film, the more I liked about him. Yeah. Because he's not the biggest safety you'll find, but he'll come up and hit you. Yeah. So he, he'll come up and hit you, and he's physical, but he's also a guy who has some DB-type skills, some, some, some corner-type skills. He can play in the slot. He can you know, can, can compete against tight ends as well. So he's pretty good in coverage as well. And a guy who can do both um, gives them a little bit more flexibility because they already have a really good safety in Rashad Jones. Yeah. Uh, so now you have two safeties that's kind of interchangeable. That can really do big things for your defense. Yeah, for sure. Uh, both of those guys have range. Both of those guys can hit. So both of them can play in the box. And both of them can, can line up and, and, and play on the slot. So you don't necessarily have to go to nickel a lot. 
Um, so uh, I think he's going to give them some flexibility. Uh, and, 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 and again, it's, it's an underrated signing, but I think he may make a huge impact on his defense this year. Yeah. So, um, again, it remains to be seen how it's all going to shake out, but um, the, I think the defense will be okay. Uh, but offensively, and, and really just the whole team, I, I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not a person that tries to put everything on the quarterback ever, but this team seems to – at least until now, had these fortunes have been almost directly tied to Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. When he plays well, they win. When he plays like shit, they lose. Yeah. And there's you no know, no gray area, right? That, that's the thing about Tannehill is that um, when he plays well, man, there's usually no buts. Like it's not well he threw for so many yards, but yeah. like he usually went plays well he will roast your ass yeah it's just when he plays poorly there's usually no middle ground there either you know he's throwing three picks or he's you know fumbling the football i I know he had those like which wasn't really on him every time but like he had those snaps that would 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 get away from him yeah some of them were bad snaps some of them he just didn't catch backed up uh in, in in the opponent's territory and stuff that really hurt his team a few times um, those kind of things you just can't have from the quarterback, no matter what. You know, yeah, it's some of this on the center, but you've got to find a way to make to, – to get rid of those bad plays like that. Yeah. Because when he has those kind of games, it, it, it almost assures you that the Dolphins won't win. Yeah. So if he can at least be more consistent, if, you know, even if he's not necessarily you – know, Going for 400 yards or what have you, if he can just be more consistent and not have those ups and downs, I think this team has a chance because he has a lot of ability. I mean, the kid can make a bunch of throws. He's very athletic. He, he can uh, avoid the rush sometimes very well. Yeah, It's just sure. the big mistakes kind of doom his team at times also. Just like boneheaded throws in, in the coverage, and you're like, why in the hell did he just do that? <laughs> so, uh, and that's what it's going to come down to, man. I, I hate to put it that way. Uh, now, now the, the great thing about it is, and I know uh, he's got he's he's a guy that's got a hamstring now, a hamstring thing or whatever. But Devontae Parker should be healthy, yeah, for this whole season, and that guy is going to be a weapon. He's big, strong, fast, and uh, at the end of last year really started coming on strong as a rookie. So yeah. now his second season, I expect that he might really take off on them. You already got Jarvis Landry, who was a steal a couple years ago mm-hmm. and you know, had a bunch of catches and yards last year. And then you got Kenny Steele. So yeah. uh, they have a bunch of talent on offense. Uh, but, it, but at the same time, like I said, they have enough talent to win. They have enough talent on the team to win the division. Yeah. Right, it's not going to be a lack of talent that's the problem, but their quarterback is going to have to stop putting them in positions to lose. Yeah, because exactly. when he plays, like I said, when he plays well, you usually don't have any kind of complaints. Yeah, and they usually win. It, 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 there's hardly a time when you look at, at, at his play and he played well and he didn't turn the ball over, and the, the, they still ended up losing. Yeah, because they have even with shitty coaching, they had enough talent to compete with most teams. 
and not just get blown out. It's, it's, it's only uh, or mostly when he has the big turnovers or what have you, when they lose those games. So if Adam Gates can come in and at the very least get him to be more consistent, I think that team has a chance. And, and you know, uh, <clears throat> they got Arian Foster, uh, and it remains to be seen how he'll bounce back after all these injuries. Uh, Jay Ajaye, actually, he, he's got some kind of injury the other day, uh, maybe a knee or something, but it doesn't look like it's going to be long-term. So they still have some question marks, and like I, I talked about the cornerback position, so it's not like they're strong you know, across the board, but I think they got enough talent to play and win that division, but it's going to come down to Tannehill. He's going to have to have a hell of a year for them to actually contend and, and try to get in the playoffs. Because if he doesn't, if he's, if he's basically the same Tannehill he's been, I think you'll get the same results. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's sort of the key. I mean, you know, that's, I guess that's what people always, the, con, the, con, the thing with quarterbacks, the consistency is you can get away with have, being a team that doesn't have an elite quote-unquote quarterback, but you better have one that just doesn't go up and down to that extent from week to week because if you do that's when you really get into trouble from a quarterback that was i guess always the thing with like i don't know bradford and st louis and some of the you know the other guys that you see around different places but you better have uh, a guy that at least isn't going to cost you games from week to week now speaking of is ryan Tannehill that guy for the jets this year me and Fitzpatrick. Yeah, Jesus, Fitzpatrick. <laughs> Man, I, what is today? And I, names, I just cannot do the names today. I don't know what's going on with me. Listen, I, I must be rubbing off on you because I'm, ter- I'm terrible with names. But um, to, to your question, I, I guess we'll see. Um, now, uh, there's always context for, for stuff, right? Uh Ryan Fitzpatrick had a decent year last year. I think his year has been overblown quite a bit uh, to a certain extent to make it seem like he was this really good player. He played decent, uh, yeah. I thought. Um, had some games where it, some throws he definitely would want back, I'm sure. Um, but also had some really big big plays as well. It helps when you have Brandon Marshall, who, it, it, while he will have the occasional drop, yeah. If, Normally, if you throw it anywhere in his vicinity, he will find a way to catch it for you. Uh, he, he's just a monster out there. And that helped the whole offense, I think. Just having Brandon Marshall out there um, and, and the kind of uh, focus you have to have on him on defense, I think, helped the entire offense. Um, and then you got Eric Decker, who's a pretty good number two guy. Yeah. Um, but I think – and I'm not trying to take anything away from his performance last year. I do think that they're going to face a tougher schedule this season. This season, I think they have like the NFC West. And I think the NFC West this, this, this season is going to be, and they have been for a while, but it's going to be one of the toughest, the toughest divisions in football. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's going to be a lot harder for him to kind of put up the same numbers against a little bit tougher competition specifically tougher defenses than I think he faced necessarily last season yeah so um but uh, uh, you know 
what I'm interested in seeing is how much the defense will improve and, and how much uh, they can kind of take off his plate as far as having to make a lot of plays. Because yeah. if their defense can be as dominant um, as I expect them to be in the second year under Todd Bowles, then maybe he, wasn't, he won't have to be Superman as much. Um, I did see a statistic. <laughs> I, I wish I, I had uh, saved it. But it, it was something about, like, uh, your winning percentage when, when you had to score, like, 23 points or more or something like that mm-hmm. versus much if you only had to score, like, 17. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, of course, his winning percentage was way down if the team had to score uh, more than 23. Um, but, but, again, if that defense, which is going to have maybe, you know, Definitely one of the best defensive lines in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, if not the best, just top to bottom. I mean, it, it, you know, you, you got Mo Wilkinson and Sheldon Richardson, and uh, then you got uh, what's the kid, uh, Leonard Williams from Leonard, last year. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, they most teams are going to have a hell of a time trying to deal with all those guys. Yeah. And then the guy who I thought really uh, came on strong last year was Lorenzo Malden mm-hmm. uh, at outside linebacker because one of the things that the Jets have kind of lacked for a while is that outside linebacker, that rush linebacker who was dominant, who just get off the ball and really make something happen. And that could really help those other guys a lot. But, you know, you know they haven't really had that dominant outside linebacker type guy. They had to put Sheldon Richardson out there for a while last yeah, that's season. Right. Matter of fact, um, but I think Lorenzo Malden's development could also uh, make that defense as a whole a lot stronger up front. So, um, you know, it, it, I just think that defense in the second year under Todd Bowles, and, and you still got Rebus out there in the secondary. You still got Calvin Pryor, who yep. I think is, is set to have a really big year. Um, that defense could put them in a position where Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't have to do quite as much. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I, he can make throws. We, we know that he can make plays. He's been a quarterback in this league for quite a while now. Yeah. It's just that I, I don't think the more you your success is tied to him having big games, the less you're going to be successful, yeah. in my opinion. No matter even if he has, you know, Brand, uh, Brandon Marshall. I just think that what you want – Ultimately, it's him to not to have to throw the ball forty or fifty times a game. If, if, yeah. if, if you if you can get it to where Ryan Fitzpatrick only has only has to throw thirty or less times a game, you, you know you got a good chance of win. Yeah, but you go much further, you know more than that. I I, I just don't see it. Uh, it. It just that's just too much to put on him, in my opinion. So yeah. <clears throat> I think that them running the ball will be a big deal, and them playing defense is going to be a huge deal. And if if they don't have to outscore people, then they got a chance. Yeah, and I thought too. You know, speaking of putting guys sort of to take some of the weight off Fitzpatrick, I thought the not the. I mean, Chris Ivory. I was kind of surprised they let Chris Ivory go. I guess you know, considering the money and everything, maybe. But you know, I thought it was pretty good to bring in Matt Forte. You know, not. Not a guy that is probably at this point in his career good for as many touches as he used to be at Chicago, but can be a good 
role player in there with Bilal Powell in the lineup too at that position. Yeah, I, I definitely thought that was a good move. Also, uh, they they also have uh, Kyrie Robinson yeah. who played pretty well in, in uh, New Orleans for a while. Um, but I think as much as anything, I, I was kind of shocked that they let Chris Ivory go too, just because he seemed to be like the tone setter for that offense. Yeah. Nobody likes tackling Chris Ivory usually, uh, just to be honest with you. But, <laughs> but I do think that, that, that Matt Forte, having him in the lineup, kind of expands your options a little yeah. bit. He's much more of a threat in the passing game. He can do everything you want uh, as a running back. He's he, he's probably more of a threat to the edge as a running back, uh, running the football as well. So uh, now teams were going to have to account a little bit more for Matt Forte than maybe they had to when Chris Ivory was in the game. So yeah. uh, I think maybe that was the thinking on that. But, yeah, I, I was quite surprised that just, you know, some guys – just kind of help give your your offense an identity. And I thought that's what Chris Ivory did for them. Just a hard nose, yeah, I'm going to line up and run this three clouds that does every time until mm-hmm. it finally breaks. And I'm going to dare you to keep tackling me type of guy. So um, their loss, I think, is going to be Jacksonville's game. Um, but, but I can kind of also see the other side of maybe why they would want to go in a different direction and have a guy like Matt Forte who can play all three downs, who doesn't have to come out on third down, who's basically a threat in all facets of the game. Yeah. And it's also, you know, he can, he can block and all those things too. Yeah. It, it should be an interesting mix, but uh, you know, the, the AFC East will be, it should be at least more interesting to watch this season. Those games, the games that don't involve the Patriots even. <laughs> <laughs> it should. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think that, uh, you know, most of these teams have improved a little bit. Uh, probably the, the biggest question marks are in Miami just because they have a totally new staff. Yeah. Um, but you, you got two other teams, uh, the Bills and, and the Jets, who have second-year head coaches. So now you get to see kind of the growth. Yeah. Uh, both of them, I'm sure, are, are now further along in actually uh, having the team be a reflection of what they really want. Yeah their team to be. Yeah. So uh, I think that you're going to get their best shots this year, provided most of their guys stay healthy. And, 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 and again, you know, I don't think any of these teams really just suck last year, except for the Dolphins. Yeah. And they went through what two or three different coaches. <laughs> so uh, I think they all are, should be at least decent this year, but, but it's, it, it, it's, it's still for now, without any games being played, it's still kind of the Patriots and everybody else. Even yeah. with Tom Brady being out the first four games, man, I'm just, again, I, most of the times when I look at um, football or I think about football, I just naturally think about it from a defensive perspective. Mm-hmm. And so I, I've just been sitting here this whole offseason since they got Martellius Bennett wondering, like, how in the hell are you going to defend that with yeah. him and Grunk at the same time? Like, it's it, 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 it's funny and everything, but if you sit down and, and you are put your defense coordinator hat on and you try to kind of, uh, first of all, try to imagine the kind of things they're going to do with both of those guys and then try to figure out how you're going to defense it, 
whether it be with personnel, whether it be with formation, whether it be, you know, blitzing or what have you, your head's going to start hurting after, after not very long. I'm telling you, because yeah. it's just it's not a whole lot of good options. <clears throat> Even if you are uh, uh, a team that has a great defense, and I'm not sure that any any of those other three teams in the uh, AFC East can actually say that. Yeah. So you know, I'm I'm thinking like, what if you're the Seattle Seahawks and you face this this offense? But I don't necessarily think we would equate the Dolphins' defense with the Seahawks' defense <laughs> right now. So again, I, I just I still think uh, on paper at least it's still the Patriots and everybody else. Yeah. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see because, I mean, you know, really just looking at the entire AFC, it's even sort of that, you know what I mean? I, I Not to not to jump too far ahead, but it even sort of looks that way right now. But uh, we've got a season to decide. And we've got, uh, what, it's the Colts and the Packers in the Hall of Fame game this week? Or Colts and the Steelers in the Hall of Fame game this week. Is that who it is? I, I don't I even know. I think so. Well, I, you know, in the Hall of Fame, everybody gets hyped up for it. And then, like, I can't even remember the last time a team actually played their starters for meaningful snaps in that extra preseason game. Yeah, they might get, like, a, a one series or something like that, which is smart. Yeah, you know. I, you know. Now, the Colts said they're going to. They're going to give their starters significant, quote-unquote, time. So, we'll see. When you don't quantify what significant means, then, hell, that could be anything, right? Yeah. Especially if, <clears throat> because it usually comes down to drives instead of, like, amount of plays. Yeah. So, out there and they go three and out twice, hey, that's a significant amount of time. There's two drives. Yeah. Right? Uh, and, and so, you know, who knows what that actually means? I can't imagine that they're actually going to put Andrew Luck in, in that kind of uh, danger for a meaningless preseason game, the first one at that. Um, and, and especially, here's something that, like I've said the last couple of years that I've noticed is that there used to be kind of a gentleman's agreement in preseason games that the, the, the defenses didn't blitz all that much. Yeah. I, it it, 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 it kind of went without saying, like, you, you were very vanilla and uh, the offense didn't necessarily do a whole lot either. But these last few years, man, teams have been blitzing the shit out of each other. Yeah, they really have. Like, like, it's, <laughs> like, like seriously, like, <laughs> I don't know when that kind of went out the window or what have you. But, uh, I mean, some of these teams, man, are just, they, they're like, get off the bus, bus blitzing. So I'm not going to risk Andrew Luck if I'm the coach and I just gave him all this money. I'm not going to risk that guy getting hurt. No way. When, you know, who knows if the Steelers, they might be sending six, the first three plays or something. You know, I, hell no. We're going to line up and you're going to hand it off three times. And, it's just, and then that's your day. That's your day for you. So yeah. We will see. Seriously, though, like, some of these games, man, I'm just like, it's a wonder that the offense is able to function at all because some of these teams, just they, they just blitz the hell out of the other team knowing that, you know, you ain't really had much time to even do, like, blitz pickup and stuff in camp. It's been a week. Yeah. You're sending everybody. 
You send everybody on blisters and stuff. So no, <laughs> thank you. I'm not. You know, if, if I was him, I would be just as overprotective of, of my quarterback uh, as they probably will be on Sunday. <laughs> we hope. <laughs> we, we I hope. mean, they, they got to be smarter than that. You know, seriously. Sometimes you wonder with the Colts, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. True. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Uh, pretty good show. So let's uh, let's reconnect and do this again next week. Hey, and we'll have some more preseason football to talk about. Got some games to talk about. Real games. Play, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. All right, Stephen. Thanks again, and everybody. Uh, catch us on the on the flip side, and we'll be back in your homes next week. Stephen, have a great weekend, man. You do the same.